Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Achtung, Achtung, die Pense kommen und die Pferde auch. Wir werden nächste Woche in Paris und bald danach in London sein. Which is, of course, for danger, danger, the tanks are coming. And so too are the horses. We will be in Paris by next week and London soon after. Welcome to We Have Ways to Make You Talk. We are, of course, recording this episode on May the 10th, the anniversary of Falgelbs. So of course, it had to be German for today's introduction. May yeah, the 10th. No, that, was, that was very good. Also, don't forget, you know, May the 10th is another big day um, because Mr. it is Churchill. the Churchill. And it's another big day, isn't it, Al? Many happy returns. Yes, it's, Bo- it's, Bo- it's Bono's birthday. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's your birthday. And yes, I've got to say, is. as birthdays go, it's a particularly strong one. Having that day. Well, I, you know what? It, it does help remembering uh, major historical events um, like that one. If they, I mean, I think I'd probably remember May the 10th, 1940, but it's sort you of been underlined would. for me. Well, my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law's 15th of September, which is also very strong. 
Yeah, Battle yeah. Britain Day. Oh, right. Oh, Whereas yeah, that's I've, very you know, good. That's I'm June the 27th, and, you know, I've got same as Kevin Peterson, but that's about it. Oh, right. Oh, really? Oh, right. Okay. Did you see the story in the paper today about bamboo cricket bats? Yeah, I did, yeah. I mean, having just bought a beautiful new willow one, I'm kind of, that's not really what I want to hear. <laughs> yes, but it, but it's a, there's a good bit of the article that said it's grass, not the bamboo is a grass and the yeah. bat has to be made of wood. Yeah. So they may, they may, have, they may have screwed I think, up. I think the MCC will have words. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Um, now, May of the 10th, of course, saw German tanks roll across the border into Belgium, Luxembourg and the Netherlands. The faint through the uh, low countries, of course. And if you've managed to list, listen to any of our previous 312 episodes, Blimey. you'll have a rough idea of what happened next and maybe even why. Um, uh, James Holland, of course, leader <laughs> of the We Have Ways Expeditionary Force. Of <laughs> How do you feel being our Lord Gort? <laughs> a bit mixed, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, he has retreated to the relative safety of a watercress field in Wiltshire. Um, I mean, the thing is, um, we, we, we've talked about um, the strategic earthquake, is what, what we've ended up calling it, um, uh, an awful lot. But it really is... If things had gone differently, uh, I mean, of, of all the what ifs, and who was it we talked to? Was it Phillips, Payson and Brian had t- talked about that there's only one battle that can possibly go both ways during the Second World, Second and World War. One. All the rest are essentially fated, but this is the one that does depend on tiny margins. This is the, I mean, the, everything that follows is because of how this day goes, basically, in 1940, doesn't it? Because if the French and British had had their act together a bit more, and the Germans had succumbed to the traffic jam that they were making for themselves. Because that that's the other thing that could have happened, is that, that some, some bloke with white gloves would have sent one of the Panzer divisions up the wrong track in the Ardennes and they wouldn't have got to their um, start line on time and all that sort of thing, you know. Well, having said that, I mean, you know, it, I mean, everyone said it was the kind of mother of all traffic jams in the Ardennes. Uh, and yeah. also the, the infantry divisions were cutting across some of the Panzer divisions. So you have all yep. these roads going. It's, it's really good. I mean, there's there's fantastic maps of this in in Blitzkrieg Legend by Karl Heinz Freezer, yeah. uh, yeah, and yeah, you can yeah. see it really clearly where they're just cutting it, and they're cutting it despite them. I mean, that that yeah. is what's so amazing. You think they're all kind of sort of you know Teutonic discipline and all the rest of it. Not a bit of it. There's kind yeah, of immense yeah. rivalry. There's lots of sort of um, argy bargy going on at the kind of highest levels. You know, von Kleist doesn't really believe in it. Uh, um, nor yeah. does von Rundstedt, who's commander of Army Group A, which has the vast bulk of the Panzer divisions. You know, the, the, there's a few of these pioneers. Um, there's Reinhardt, who's the one who's really suffering from the infantry coming, cutting across him. He's got to get to Monterme, which is a third of the three yeah. crossing points across the River Meuse. Guderian, of course, is is the big, big pioneer. Rommel um, and, and Hote, they're kind of really into it as well. They get it. But but there is this real split uh, amongst well, the Wehrmacht commanders. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because people do like to look at the Allied command, but certainly in the second half of the war, well, you know, once the major land battles really get motoring, and look for the division and look for the differences of opinion and look for the fallings out and then tell the story of how the Allied coalition worked through those, through and or with, despite, by, with, from those rivalries and differences of opinion. But this is made, this is massive, isn't it? You've got, you've basically got... A, a, a cadre of people who not only but who, who not only get this plan, but 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 know how they're going to have to execute it, and then a load of other people think this is going to go completely wrong. Uh, we're going to get caught up in a, in a repeat of fourteen eighteen. Why have we agreed to this? We oh wait, we didn't agree to it. We've been bounced by ambitious people 
who've exploited the way the politics works in the country, where if you get the ear of the right guy, things will happen, uh, regardless of how harebrained they are. Because after all, a lot of the things that up to this point have been doing well by going by going to Goering or going to Hitler have been pretty harebrained, haven't they? And so, so why would this be? Why would this be any different? I think is one of the really interest, interesting questions around Falgab. Why, why is this any different to every bomber has to be a dive bomber or any of the other like, right. you know, b- b- bonkers, bonkers stuff that's been going on or or we need a surface fleet when in fact that's the last thing you need. All that sort of, let alone the, let alone the sort of political hot housing that's going on uh, under the Nazis anyway. Yeah. Why is this going to work? And I think... You do, you, you, and, you and it's also that. been been barefaced kind of lying as well. <laughs> yes, because, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. when you know, when famously or infamously, depending on which way you look at it, when when um, General um, Vuleman comes, he's the head of the, he's commander in chief of the French Army of the Air, which in terms of numbers yeah. has a parity with the Luftwaffe, and that's before yeah, yeah. you've added on the RAF and the Dutch and yeah. the Belgian Air Forces. And he goes over to over to Germany, and they do this thing where they sort of take him to a you know Erhard Milk, who's the number two in the Luftwaffe, takes him to this airfield, shows him a whole load of shiny kind of one hundred nine line, lined up, and then goes, well, let's go to another airfield. And as soon as he's kind of sort of gone past the past the wood, the, and the boundary of the airfield, all the Messerschmitts take off and land at the next airfield. Yeah, so they're yeah, the yeah. same planes. And and Villemin comes back to France and just goes, we're absolutely stuffed. We're, we can never compete against the Luftwaffe. But but it's but not true. Fall- you but know, so, so it's... That, but they've but they've fallen for that before the demilitarization of the Rhineland with people being marched around several times to make it to make things yes. look uh, 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 bigger and badder than they are. I mean, but but yes, yes they, but, but my point is, is, is the argument yeah. is is that the moment that's actually tested, your lying should come a cropper. Come up because yeah, yeah. you haven't got what you've promised. You haven't got what you've said you've got, and yet they still pull it off. That's the, that's the most remarkable thing. Yes, but the French fall into that man- mentality. If they've got thousands more planes than us, here come the thousands more planes than we've got. Right. Um. And and rather than go, oh, oh, oh look, hang on a minute, thirty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or whatever. And believe believe that believe their own interpretation of the hype, which I think, is, which is which is which is pretty interesting. But, but there are I mean, photos. There are photos of that gridlock yeah. in the Ardennes, and it is literally yeah. nose to bumper, and and you've got you've got two lanes of traffic, them going in the opposite direction. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, French reconnaissance planes are flying over there and going, "Whoa, what what's yeah. going on down there?" Reporting it back, and the French commander's going, "That cannot be possible." Therefore, do nothing see, about it. I mean, that is just see, extraordinary. That, that is absolutely incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And you, it's rubbish. It's probably. I mean, it's probably th- th- that morning. Also, I mean, falling for the faint isn't that clever, is it? But but what are you? No, what are you going to? It's not clever. What are at you going to do? Though? What are you going to do though? If you're the, if you're the BEF, what are you actually going to? You're going to sit back and wait, wait for them to 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 take Holland and Belgium and then meet them on the French border? Well, no, of course not. Because that that restricts your room for manoeuvre, your possibility of all port, ports that you might want to hang on to and use in the future. Because after all, what you're expecting is to fight another another Western front. And also, you've got the psychological problem of, of fighting in northern France again, which is exactly yeah. what happened in the first yeah, world yeah. war, which was such a big yeah. kind of a big no no. So that you know, psychologically, politically, that's just simply not a, an option. But but to be honest, it's not also, a going no army, forward no to the. Army... But also, no army wants to just sit back and wait for something. You want to take the initiative. You want to move in. You want to yeah, no, be proactive enough. in the, in that defence, don't you? That's the but, other, but, the other but, thing that's going. But on. you do, you don't need you don't need the um the the variant with the extra army going up on the left hand flank to Holland. You absolutely don't need that. You no. you 
you absolutely there's nothing wrong with going to the river dial but probably the esco would have been a better bet which is substantially yeah. shorter um yeah. it, you know it's a far less distance to go but it's still achieving exactly the same aims so yeah. that's that's one point and then the the, the braider variant that was it um and then the yeah. um and the third thing of what you've got to do is you've got to hold on to those nodal points you've just the whole pro, the whole plan for for foul gelb is based on hitting those targets at the date they're supposed to hit them so getting yeah. across the you know reaching the mers in three days and getting across it in four you know which they pull that off all they've got to do is all the french have got to do is just sit tight and stop them from doing that and that yeah. shouldn't be that difficult well especially as that the, the critical bit on the mers isn't panzers it's it's, it's infantry co- it's infantry and assault engineers in rubber dinghies i mean that what it's it's what's... why does a machine gun not stop that well yeah. because it isn't there and, and why yeah. isn't it there because you're absolutely useless because because you haven't planned <laughs> it you know i mean i've said it before but every time i think about the crossing of the Meuse at sedan i just start getting really really irritated because how how can that be when the germans have crossed that exact spot the spot twice before in 1870 and 1914 it's just insane <laughs> and and actually what's the most incredible one is i mean there's three there's three big crossings there's the one at sedan there's the one at sort yep. of dinant which is rommel and co uh, and then there's the one at monterme and the monterme one is in the middle and that should just never have happened i mean i mean yep. how reinhardt gets his men across that is he's, he's in a way, militarily, that's the most impressive because he's yeah. he's lost there. He's got the biggest headaches logistically trying to get through the Ardennes with all the infantry cutting across him. And geographically, physically, topographically, Monterme is by far and away the toughest crossing point. Yeah, yeah. And even it, there, they get across. It's absolutely extraordinary. But I suppose, but I suppose it's you know, fool fool me once, shame on uh, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, whatever it is. Fool me, fool me a third time. Well, he's not. They're not going to come through Sudan again. I mean that's too obvious. So, so let's leave the really open flat kind of plain, you know, oh. floodplain opposite the, the the main crossing point to the um, uh, um, to one side of the town. Let's just leave that completely bare and not bother with mines or machine gun posts <laughs> or anything like that. But, but what we will do is we'll put a whole load of bunkers somewhere else, just a couple of miles up the road. I mean, do it. You do it properly, or you don't bother at all. Yes, but James, he who defends everything defends nothing. <laughs> Frederick, Frederick the Great. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think you can you can you can You've put Sedan Sedan in one <laughs> defensive area. To be fair, you got to at least defend Sedan. Yeah, defend something. Um, yeah, I mean it is it is quite extraordinary, though, isn't it? Because it because had had this gone differently, absolutely every other aspect of the war would 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 have panned out differently, wouldn't it? The, Everything the, the way that the, the you know every single Japan wouldn't have, bo- probably wouldn't have have attacked. No, no. It was emboldened to because it felt that Britain was to- yeah. was going to lose the war against w- w- in Europe. Yeah, wouldn't have tried. Yeah, it was top was toppling. Wouldn't have tried, and 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 you know would the Germans if they'd got locked into a thing in France against the British have been able to turn on Russia? No, no. Um, and I think Hitler wouldn't have been a, you know because after all the the thing that the thing that this leads to. And I mentioned this in my bottom five tanks when I did, um, uh, which were the same as my top five tanks in the same museum, of course, because I was being stupid. Um, was that the, 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 this this victory is the thing that seals Germany's defeat after all, because they get they're so high on their own supply about how brilliant this is, brilliantly this has gone. They think they can do it everywhere they go, yeah. and obviously when they obviously when they get to 
Albania and, and Greece, it goes extremely well because it's an unequal struggle each time. Yep. And the Germans tell themselves each time that that it's because they're really, really um, on it and blitzkriegy. And then when they run into a completely different, and it's not just the opponents different, because after all, the Russians, the Russians kind of do some of the French army stuff of not really having their act together at all. Soviets certainly to start with in Barbarossa, but then once they figured out what's going on, the Soviets and and the and and oddly enough, the sheer size of Russia is the thing that that space buys the Russians time yes. in that respect. Whereas the French never have the space to buy them the time. To go all lots of Einsteinian about it, there isn't the space the space time in France to to slow things down sufficiently. Like like the, I mean, interestingly, like there was in 1914. I mean, that's the other, the other thing, isn't it? Is that one of the things that's that, that's different between 1914 and 1940 is because the Germans are mechanised, they can get inside the French decision loop. Yes. That's their advantage. Whereas in 1914, they can't because they aren't. And and that's why that's why that doesn't work out. You know, um, in 1940, the, the, the German invasion then. Because they have, again, they have the hop on the French, they have the jump on them. Yeah. But they, you can't do it with just blokes on foot. You can't do it with infantry and horses alone. You need a mechanised element to move people too quickly. Well, that that, that is the radical part part about yeah. the Blitzkrieg. The, the, the concept of the Blitzkrieg, i.e. kind of sort of you know, unbalancing your enemy and smashing him really hard at the trail pumps yeah. and all the rest of it and doing the yeah. development, that is, you know, as old as a hill. Old school. That's old school. Yeah. That's what that's what Germans before the Prussians have always done. What's different yeah. about it is you, you've got the, the Luftwaffe acting as your kind of spearhead of the spearhead. Yeah, and then you've got this all arms um, formation in the Panzer division that can communicate with one another, and yeah. that that's the big yeah. thing. You, you know, one has to remember that a Panzer division is not stuffed full of Panzers. It's it's full of infantry, artillery, reconnaissance, and tanks, who yeah. are all in this one unit and self, um, uh, you know, and self contained. But yeah. you know, go for, fast forward to 1944 and the Ardennes offensive. You know, what happens at St. Vit, for example, you know, the, the Germans run into a completely inexperienced division, which have never seen action before, but they hold yeah. on long enough to completely disrupt the time plane. Yeah. You know, they hold those you, nodal points. They hold the yeah. crossroads. They hold the bridge. And, it, know, and interestingly, they, they, don't the have the, they don't have the space that there is in on the Eastern Front to be able to do that. They, they'd have to, they have to do it with time alone. Yeah. But that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Is that because after all, You've probably got thirty six hours, haven't you, to yeah. to 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 topple because before everyone gets tired, before every, you know, maybe forty eight hours to topple topple the opponent yeah. immediately in the immediate, and maybe pop open a, pop the line open and get through. You can't do it. Five days is just taking too long. Yeah. So conversely, you know, though, look at think of the French. You know, the yeah. French French army in nineteen forty is designed to defend and then methodically yeah. slowly counterattack. Okay, so everything is about it's about defence. Defence is considerably easier than attacking. Yeah, All yeah. they've got to do is hold the River Meuse. Okay, it's yeah, not. It's, you, can't def- it, you can't defend everything, James. <laughs> it's not a big ask. It really no. isn't. And and they don't. Yeah. They fail. They fail in that that one simple task that they've been given. But it's not that hard to figure out, is it? You come down over the high, down off the high ground, over the river into the into the low ground. That's what's that's that's basically the geography, isn't it? And that's like yes, but you've, even once you've got over the uh, over the main river, you've then got other rivers to to deal but, with. But you know what I mean? That that's like you. I, I, we all know you have to come down off the high ground and seize the water obstacle. I mean, that's 
Why is that so yes, hard for the French to French understand? To figure out that, yeah, yeah. that's my point. I mean, yeah. you know, it is it is really is abject. You know, I've I've, I've said before, it's kind of you know fifty percent German brilliance and fifty percent French failure. But actually, I'd kind of swing that more like thirty five seventy five against the well, I would say against it's the French. I mean, well, no, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to come up with it. I think it's fifty percent German brilliance and seventy five percent French incompetence. <laughs> it's really bad. I mean. But on it's the other hand, bad. you know, we don't have anything to talk about if it'll if they tell Now, off, I am reading at the moment um, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Brothers in Arms. Um, oh, the new, thank you. The new well, James Holland. Yeah. And yes, I've just read much. the battle about the battle around Fontenay and, the, and then into the action that supports um, Epsom. Uh, the Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover inside the house there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. 
He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And Mike, my goodness... It's, oh, uh, all that stuff like the Bois de Boulogne and, and all that. It's just nail-biting nail biting stuff. And the thing that really, really, it's really, I'm really enjoying about this is you, are, you start, we basically start kind of on the beach. And you because you've got Peter Christopherson as your, because he does remain consistently yep. there. You've got that as a thread, a through. And, uh, but then basically... Officers come and go, men come and go, and the three, five weeks in, Jesus Christ, the casualty um, turnover. It's horrendous, isn't it? And and the Padre Skinner being, you know, being hit hit on his cap badge by a piece of shrapnel, but, you know, head injury, wakes up in heart, ends up back in Hartlepool. Yeah, it's it's just, and then goes, and then says, I've got to go back to the front. The whole picture of what that unit is like it's really, really interesting, and the and and you do very much feel you're in the tanks Good. with the guys, and that that endless problem of you know the, the and what what's becoming clear as the battles progress is how they figure out how to work with the infantry, how they have to all knock heads together, that difficult problem that you're always that they're at the disposal of the infantry, the the um these tank these tank formations. Yeah, so I'm, actually, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tweak a little bit because I think I think one of the things I haven't brought out enough and I think I need to a bit more actually. I'm just gonna do a really, really small light a light dusting on it, is is the number nineteen set, which isn't quite good enough, you know, for, yeah. for, for, for what for what they need. And that's that's not a British problem, that's just radio technology of the day. You know, your yeah. your tank is only as good as your radio. And and yeah. and it's just not the, the comms bet- between tanks and also between, particularly between the infantry, is just not quite good enough for what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. So it's your yeah. six month thing, you know. They're six months, twelve months off well, it, from well, what and, they needed uh, to be. But 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 this is a cro- but the radios across the board that the, uh, uh, British radios across the board are basically just not quite. But have you so have you have you have you got the bit where John Semkin what turns the corner and there's a tiger? Oh in Jesus Fonsoday. Christ! <laughs> And he thinks, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, that's, um, oh, he's wearing a slouch cap, he's not wearing a beret. Like, oh, yeah, yikes. Um, uh, and George uh, right, Dring, just shoot, George just Dring. Shoot it, shoot it. Oh, George, the stuff with George Dring. With George, with George Dring sort of... Um, Stalking on six, foot. Six cents for um, uh, where stuff is, how to deal with stuff, um... You know, uh, well, and, and the thing of uh, Semkin always having, always having an AP up the, up the spout, just in case. Because um, yeah. yeah. after all, if you run into some infantry, an AP will scare the bejesus out of them, and you've got time to reload. 
but it, but it won't do that. What it won't an HE round won't do the same if you run into a, another tank, will it? I mean, it, no. it, it won't do that. I mean, I think what's interesting is some of the ranges they're engaging um, uh, at with the seventy-five millimeter gun, which we've always, you know, which received opinion tells us tells us is a pea shooter uh, as a multi-purpose weapon compared to say the um, the pack eighty-eight or the or the pack seventy-five. I think it's very interesting they're engaging with things a couple of thousand yards away and dealing with them, yeah. which I, which 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 I. You know, really? Oh, that that. Well, that, I, I, I think it. in that case, that, that's you know, a surprise. I, I think what's happened is is you suddenly got this cobbled together armor a Panzer Force coming to to. Yeah. They realise that that Fontenay is being lost and they're in danger of losing the Rory Ridge, so they suddenly hustle these these um, um, Panzers together. So they haven't had much chance to kind of recce the the ground. Yeah. So they're suddenly coming in and they're probably just not that well trained and they're they're up against people who've you know whose dander is up. And it's one of those things. It's kind of you know, strike hard, strike fast. You know, who but it's dares also, wins a bit. But, it, but but also the Germans are just relentlessly trying to put out fires all over. Right. And we see it. We see it as Epsom, and then you know, look, but but they're just they don't know Operation Epsom's happening. They're like Jesus Christ. There's a massive push. Yeah. Around around here, yeah. and then oh oh, but but we're also under great pressure on the Rore Ridge and. Hill one one two, you know they're they're, they're not they're not they're not viewing it through the sort of well, well I you, you uh, remember when we were doing the modelling before Christmas and uh, I was yeah. doing that pamphlet so that pamphlet was the one yeah. the one I was trying to re- replicate yeah. was the one that suddenly comes from the west oh, and it and it suddenly its appears own. across the crossroads on its own and because it doesn't really know where it's going it just knows it's been yeah. told to just get get its ass over there so it just goes okay fine takes the quick, the shortest road finds itself absolutely in the middle and just gets drilled by Neville Fern you know in his tank that sounds like Ausfrag tactic not really working yeah it does a bit doesn't it <laughs> go over there sort it out now <laughs> you've all my you've all my captain oh shice where am I but but my big takeaway from it is Apologies, just the, the unbelievable levels of responsibility on the shoulders of those troop and squadron commanders it's I, just it's the, just it's just mind blowing well, yeah, and and also how very quickly everyone's edges get knocked off off them. Stuart Hill's driving down that hill, uh, 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 preparing to drive down that hill, and someone says, "Oh, I don't know if that's a good, I don't know if that's a good idea." Right. And he thinks, "Oh, yeah, that's a bad, yeah, that is a bad idea. I won't do that. I won't do that again." And they never did. Yeah. I mean, all of that is fascinating. Anyway, we yeah. have to take a short break, and um, while we check out our Anderson shelters, we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Um, on Thursday, we'll be bringing you a conversation with German historian Katja Hoyer, in which she oh, offers real good, insight. It? Yeah, it was really interesting. Post-war German psyche. What is Germany? Question mark. Discuss. It was one of those, really. Um, uh, uh, Simple question. Which Germany, yes, which Germany is it that we like? Um, because there have been many Germanys, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, after all, because I, I was thinking about this. Um, yeah, always used to be pals. That, that, well, well, but yes, exactly. I mean, German wine, Seven uh, lot, well, but German wine before the First World War far outsold French wine. You know that we I drank much more that. German wine than French wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then after the war, First World War, German wine, you know, becomes a joke, a thing we don't drink. Yeah, and it's gradually creeping, creeping back in. We I'm working hard to bring it back. I'm certainly doing. I've certainly been doing my bit with the answer paper gunner. Yeah, paper gunner, you can't go wrong. Also, we've got. Um, um, what I should say is, um, it's anniversary of the Blitz, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anniversary yeah. of the Blitz. 
Yeah. And I was I I was so lucky. I got called up by this BBC producer. He he found this oh, on yeah. Earth. This it was just amazing. So basically, there was this. BBC sound engineer who was in Liverpool during the Liverpool Blitz, which began on the night of the first second of May and yeah. ended on the on the um, on the eighth of May. So it was this week of just sort of bombing. Over. And there were there were two particularly heavy days, and and he was on this rooftop just recording what he what he was seeing. And, and at the same time, you can hear all these bombers coming over and screaming, Junkers eighty eights dropping their parachute mines, and you know buildings collapsing and fire engines ringing and yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's absolutely extraordinary and, and just been completely forgotten about and really really good quality as well so it's been making me kind of um think about the blitz a little bit and um and, and the effect it had and all the rest of it and and you know however awful it was you know you and it was absolutely there's no question about it it was terrible diabolical yeah. yeah 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 and hull was was hit at the same time very heavily um but but you know, just compared to what was to come on Germany, it was just, you know, it's it's a sort of it's an inch off the ground compared to a meter. I mean, yeah, it really, really, it really is, isn't it? And um, and of course, that so many of those bombs dropped on Germany had for Coventry chalked on them. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, the numbers of Covent, the number of Coventries that the RAF and the Eighth Air Force pulled off between them, it's a mul- multiple. You know, yeah. It, 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 it sort of, in a way, it doesn't compare. I mean, in a way, in a, in a way, it, it it encapsulates the German the German war effort, which is you get off to a good start, and then you and then you and then you hang on in there as long as you can. Whereas the Allies go, oh, okay, right, we'll build a massive bomber fleet then. Yeah, right. and slightly encapsulates yeah. encapsulates the British approach, which is to get off to a pretty stodgy start and yeah. Exactly. Hang in there. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll hang in there. Give us three years and we'll absolutely wipe the floor with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just don't expect, uh, to expect too much in the first year. Exactly. Now, we're live streaming Thursday evening, back to the usual time at 8.30 UK time. I'm back after a week off. Um, many thanks to Philippe Sands for sitting in for me. Information on Warfest will be forthcoming this Thursday. I was in Devon and I went to the Cobberton Combat Collection, which was most entertaining. I've, I got... I've been past that sign so many times. Well, there's a, um, one of the roads in, you've got to be careful because it's got such a, a gradient on it, you'll scrape your sump driving up the hill, I discovered. <laughs> but um, uh, and I managed to get hold, because they're closed, but I managed to get hold of them. And um, uh, uh, um, although one of the guys who works there, Tim, is, is I think on Masters of the Air at the moment, interestingly. Yeah. And in fact, one of our, one of our um, listeners got in touch to say that he, he was doing extra work on Masters of the Air and how fantastic it was. Oh, but, brilliant. I've been in touch with John, actually, as well, John Orloff. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. good, excellent. Yeah, oh, we, we, we've got to go visit. Good masters. We're allowed out. No, he's he's he, he 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 alluded to us going up there. All right. Okay. He said, "I've just got to find a way of getting you guys to come and come up on set." Yeah. Said, yes, please. Well, <laughs> I'll do all the lateral flow tests. Um, I have to. They're very happy disgusting to. As, disgusting as they are. Um, but it was very interesting. So I was shown around by Preston, and they've got some they've got some fascinating fascinating stuff in there. Mm. Um, Indian Army and. Indian Army stuff, they've uh, a crocodile, though, without the trailer. But he was, he, I mean, he was telling me, you know, he, he's got a, a box that's all the, he goes, here's my box of smellies, right? So it's all the SMLE variants possible, plus a long Enfield. You know, the whole history smellies. of that rifle in once. That's what he called him. And he's got a boy's anti-tank rifle in there. And he says, nice. oh, I've got a live, I've got a live one as part of my collection. And he says, uh, it's quite the thing. It's not like being kicked in the shoulder by a mule. It's like a lorry reversing into you slowly. Because it's got, 
<laughs> it's got a hydraulic um, compressor in the butt to, to to take some of the recoil, right? Right. Which is one of the reasons it's so it's heavy. Quite sophisticated, isn't it? It is. But he said he said the thing is when you fire it, the cloud of dust you throw up, right? Because it's such a big bang, gives away where you are. And so, if you're using it to 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 pop off at Panzer ones and twos like you would have been, or or half tracks in 1940 if that's what you're using it for again it's this endless problem or recurring problem with the man portable anti-tank weapon is it gives away where you are when you use it um and i i I, I, that hadn't occurred to me he said the problem is you fire it and it's this great big he says very exciting great great bang and then the thing the thing sort of pushes into you but there's this enormous cloud of dust around you because it picks up so much i never would have thought of that i'd never would have thought of that anyway and they showed me around and um uh they have a crocodile, and, and he said the um, he used, used to have a veteran who was a crocodile gun, you know, lap gunner right. who would come in and say, when you turned the pressure on um, for the liquid, it went, it would, it would be, it would go so stiff in your hands, it was basically you couldn't point it because it was wow. because the pressure, the pressure from the compressors, you know, because yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 not a nitrogen or something to push it through. I can't remember. I can't remember. That's probably wrong. But the thing would go absolutely bolt rigid with the pressure um, when you when you pulled the pulled the lever or whatever to to fire yeah. it up. And he said that the crew, the, the, he said that this guy told him that the crews would console themselves with the idea that when you doused a pillbox with the napalm and set fire to it, that the men all suffocated instantly and they weren't burned alive. And that's what the crews used. To, that's what he said. That guy's crew used to tell themselves. But not necessarily true. Well, who knows? But 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 that's the thing that they they. Uh, it's all right. No one's being burned alive. Right. They're they're they the air sucked out of wherever it is instantly by the combustion, so they suffocate instantly like that, which is I think wow. kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but it was. I, I would recommend it. They, they, that's I think fantastic. Re- that's fantastic inside knowledge. Yes, I think so. And also, the other thing they've got there is a horse glider interior from a bridge too far. Yeah, it's great fun. And they've, um, you know, he's got lots of carriers. He's got two or three carriers. Nice. And a lot of it's running, and they're restoring a ram kangaroo. Ah, fantastic. Uh, so, you know, the Canadian Sherman, but he's taken the turret off and he's converting it into a, into, a, into a kangaroo. And out the back, they've got this comet, you know, that's off a range Blimey. that... that, that Desperately needs uh, uh, sprucing up, I'd say. I mean, it's really, really, it's a, it's a great collection. And um, mm. is it a private collection? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. How fantastic! He's, he's got some Soviet stuff. He's got a running T thirty four. I think the Churchill's running, but I'm not sure. I mean, it's like it's also got that, you know, that ever so slight. How much of this stuff? Where did you get this stuff from, for instance? You know, where, where, where on earth does one find a T? T uh, thirty four actually, and all that's yeah. all that sort of thing. Yeah, so it's, a, yeah. it's well worth it's well worth a look, and um, they're very sweet in there. And it and it and what he used to do, you know, was run veterans to, to Normandy and lorries and stuff back in the day, and all that sort of thing. So so they've, it's got a proper kind of connection yeah. with like a uh, some veteran uh, law at least. Anyway, and um, we should do some questions, shouldn't we? Well, we should give it a go. Yeah, but that horse from a bridge too far. It's pretty cool. Very apparently cool. the, the the bloke who ran it was one of the last things left in Holland on set and the and the wow. bloke who made made it took it home with him. And anyway. is, it, is, is it an exact replica? 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Yeah, and Perfect. it's that funny. It's that funny interior aeroplane green, yeah. isn't it? You know that. Yeah. Uh, and they take the nose off to film the interiors, and so you know. And he's going. Sean Connery sat there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should, should we do a question? Yeah, go on. Then. Why not? Um, this is from Andrew Ackroyd. Dear We Have Ways team, congratulations on the 300th episode. Loving the pod and as a relative newcomer and member of the independent company, I've been devouring the content with relish. Well, thank you, Andrew. Um, I'm currently in the Middle East. Uh, uh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you one of those people who's not in Jordan, Andrew? Um, and I have a question as to whether the British or Commonwealth governments had any concerns about the return home of millions of men post-war who had essentially been trained to kill and many who had killed. Uh, that's a yeah, in the spirit of We Have Ways, and by that I mean a total digression, my father was an RAF medical officer during the Cold War and in 1980 served as the British military doctor to Rudolf Hess in Spandau for a number of months. Keep up the stellar work, Andrew. Fascinating. But imagine he had a few stories well, to tell. I'm not sure what Andrew means by that exactly. I mean, what, because you've been because you've been in action and you've seen violent things and you've shot people that you might come back and then want to shoot some people as well? Well... Well, there were lots of sensational newspaper stories after the war, weren't there, um, about men coming home and killing their wives because their wives had had affairs. And so there was a there was a sort of there was a kind of there was a little bit of an attempted moral panic about trained killers returning home, men mm. inured to violence, blah blah blah. But it sort of didn't it sort of didn't happen. Um. And I mean, the, the flip of that, of course, is that, that what 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 provision there was for people's mental health, having been through some of the things that men went through, um, was also kind of arguably lacking. I mean, after all, the, one of the reasons the NHS is such a priority for the Labour government is they want to make sure that you have a viable workforce, given lots of people have been maimed and injured and hurt and have lost hands and feet and all that sort of thing is a big part of getting people back to work is one of the things the one of the things the NHS was for yeah um as as far as the Labour government concerned but I don't know I I don't think I don't think I don't think it was a huge concern about it I don't it, think was it was a because huge I also, concern because I think I think also I think I think psychologically there's there's such a sort of I mean obviously people get traumatized but but because it's war people are you know you know once you're a serial killer you're a serial killer, and and you remain a serial killer until you get you either kill yourself or you get get killed or you get locked up. That that that's, yeah. that tends to be the kind of the rule. You don't yeah, sort so of you're not a serial killer for a bit and then kind of go back to normal life. Whereas in a war, <laughs> you know, but in a war that you you can compartmentalize that mentally. You know that was then well, the that, point, that was a time of war, well, the, and then well, you come point, back and well, you go the, back to normal life. Well, the point is that's that's how it's done. I mean, uh, that, mm. that's why you have an army and you have training and you train people for the situations and the circumstances that that you're, you're going you're going to need to put them into, isn't it? That's the yeah. And, and and you hope for you hope that that prepares them for the situation. After all, because it's all very well being men men who've been trained to kill may not kill anybody. After all, um, <laughs> yes. just because you've been just because you've been trained to kill, and you know, which is well, like Alex Marshall Balby. Argue, like Alex yeah. Balby, who never fired his rifle once, and the whole going away yeah. going up for yeah, Italy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, 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 that's it, isn't it? Mm. Or, or, or what's his name? Banner Brothers, who never fires his, never fires his weapon. Yeah, you know, it's the, it's it. Yeah, just because you're just because you're a trained killer, and how good's the training been, and, and all that sort of thing. But I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, the, I think the, the immediate the sort of you, you do have this very odd thing though, where men 
Men come home in demob suits and they're better dressed than the people at home who've been making doing mending for five, six years. Yeah. And you get this, you do get this, the, 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 whether it's the concerns about the return of post-war men who've been trained to kill and many who had killed, it's through how you actually, how you bring an army back full stop. Men who've mm. been away a long time. Men who've, men who've, some of whom have been, you know, because after all, not everyone's uh, at the spear. Some of them are, you know, um, A echelon, some of the B echelon, and some of them are like whatever, whoever A echelon or B yeah, echelon yeah, get yeah, their yeah, stuff that's a very off. Good point. I think you know, a more interesting thing to question to ask is all those people that kind of committed terrible things in the in the in the Second World War, you know, on the German side, for example, you know, all those people that Waitman Bjorn was talking about yep. in the Eastern Front. How many of them went on to become murderers and mass murderers post-war once they came back to their normal lives? So normal and very much in kind of air commas. Well, that's a very good. That's a very good question. You know, and I don't know. But I, get, all... I get the impression not very many. Well, yeah, yes, because because after all, again, they too thought they were doing the right thing and had right. been re- yes, but but, but there's a, but there's a difference, isn't there, between um, you know being in Operation Epsom and and you know firing your rifle at a, at a at a distant German that you might see pop up between two hedges and lining up and shooting a bunch of civilians in a at the edge of a wood in in there is Poland. there is there is but the language around it is arguably very, very similar. These were terrible things that we had to do. There was a war on. These people were our enemies. That's the, the, and that's the, really, that's the really interesting thing, isn't it, about how those atrocities get, um, get uh, uh, processed and rationalised. And, t- t- you know, we talked about it before, the idea that we, with David, because I listened last week, you know, David Baddiel's uh, edition that we did, you know, the yeah. idea that it's a front, that it's, it's a front, it's another... It's another um, strand of the German war effort, and I think, and I, I agree with you. There is a massive, there is a massive difference in the thing in itself, but the language around it is not that different, is it? Right, but 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 those Germans who you know they, they have to deal with with having committed these things and done these things, even yeah. if it's been wrapped up. But but then they're kind of denazified. So there's a sudden point where. You would hope that a number of them would sort of go, "Yikes! Actually, that wasn't very good." Yeah, what did I do? I was Edwin. What did I do? But even if you didn't, there's, there's, you know, and you're a Nazi to your dying days, you still, you're not going around murdering people and and going back and killing people, as far as I can make out. I mean, I'm sure there are examples of it, but but they seem to be incredibly rare. I mean, it's not like the murder rate in Germany goes up dramatically post war, is it? I don't know. I don't know. That's an. Ex- I mean, I mean murder, like- murder levels were quite high in the 1930s and 20s, weren't they? I mean, it's well, but it's also interesting, isn't it? That that that, and the other difference there is one one bunch of people have gone home having won, and the other bunch of people have gone home having lost. Well, and I told you about just- that bloke I had to I, I interviewed. You kept bursting into tears. Yeah. And never told anybody. Yeah. You know, imagine having to bottle that all up. Yeah. But that's what everyone had to do, wasn't it? In the 1940s yeah. and 50s, was bottle it all up. Pretty much, but then. But then often bottling up is a coping mechanism yeah. as much as anything else. Right, anyway. Um, anyway. Uh, should we answer another question? That's that's lots of food for thought and something I really need, I need to sort of... Um, I need to sort of digest uh, and think about. And, and I, wonder if away, anyone, away, I wonder if anyone's done any work on kind of post-war brime by, uh, well, by Alan, Germans. Well, Alan Allport's demobbed uh, d- is very good. Yes. Um, uh, uh, which is about all that's you know what it what it's like so the decompression 
I mean, they, what they don't do is decompression like we do now, where they, you know, in Afghanistan, they they go back to Cyprus, wouldn't they, get drunk yeah. for a day and then get That's sent what home. I did, yeah. Which, which, however, after my, after does my three weeks <laughs> also sound really. Um, uh, that does sound very, very fig leafy. Like one day. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it, 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 it's that book. Um, what's it called? Junior Officers Reading Club by that um, guards guards officer. Yeah. Have you have you read have you read that? No. I know, I know what really, exactly, I know what There's a really about. great bit about how, you know, he's literally he's literally um, you know, directing in a in a in a in a in a A ten or something on to blow up a compound, you know, on the radio, sending in fire from the jimpy, blah, 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 blah. And and eighteen hours later eighteen hours later, he's in Shoreditch drinking cocktails. Like Yeah. Back, back to back, you know, with yeah. people who have no idea what he's been up to, and 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 that that jarring effect. But but, but they do at the end of the Second World War. I suppose if you're on a boat back from Burma, you get decompressed, don't you? Yeah. If you're on the, uh, uh, the well, th- yes, that's and, they, you... and they did that to the Marines as well. And I remember I remember talking to um, this guy Bill Bill Pierce, who'd been through Okinawa, and afterwards yeah. they they took him to China, and basically he poured for two weeks. And got yeah. drunk, yeah, yeah. You know, and maybe the, the old. And then, he, then he got back to New York, saw his folks, bought himself a motorbike, went on a really long, long motorbike. He told his parents yeah. absolutely everything, got it oh, off his chest, wow. went on a big long road trip on his motorbike, kind of easy rider style. Came back, and he yeah. said, "I never had any any problems ever. I've never had a single nightmare." Uh, the old ways are the best. <laughs> yeah. Bit of pouring in Shanghai. Yeah, I mean, just extraordinary. But 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 they did. But my point is that they did seem to they they understood the the process of decompression then. Yeah, you know, and other guys were sort of went to went to Sydney, didn't they? And they were kind of yeah. up by people and you know yeah. looked after before they were shipped back home. And stuff. it just wasn't called that, so people go, no. "Oh, they didn't do it." I mean, that's what what happens a lot. Yeah, with I think di- that's, that's different different to. evaluations of mental health and stuff like that. Is it because because it doesn't have the same name that we might give it and the same architecture. It's like, it's like, it's like calling someone at the end of the second world war PTSD. Well, they wouldn't have called it that. So you no. can't really call it that. No. And so on. Anyway, no. that is all we've got time for today. And a classically discursive, we have ways of making you talk, but fear not. We've got some cracking stuff coming away this week on Thursday morning. We're joined by the brilliant German historian, Katja Hoyer, who's fascinating on the legacy of Nazism in post-war Germany. And what is Germany anyway? After all, the Germans, I remember when, when reunification came along, the Germans are terribly excited about it. And she said that they celebrated reunification, the 30th anniversary. But at the time, Margaret Thatcher was like, don't do that. <laughs> You're sticking Germany back together. It'll be trouble. So, you know, which which Germany? That's the big question. Uh, then we're live streaming on Thursday evening, back to the regular time of 8.30. I'm back in the chair. Thanks to Philippe for his brilliant cameo appearance last week. Um, I don't suppose the Colonel heckled during that one. And each Sunday... We bring you half a dozen of our listeners' wartime family stories. It's an incredible show written by you, which brings back to life many of the ordinary people caught up in extraordinary times, like Mac, who mistook a Chesterfield sofa for a urinal that happened to have an army officer on it. Because <laughs> he was from the Navy. Oh, what <laughs> glorious times. The old ways are the best. Auf Wiedersehen, my friends.